Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? Now Moses was tending the flock, reading out of Exodus chapter 3, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush isn't burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, it's interesting, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called to him from within the bush. What if he'd never gone over to look? He called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Father, this morning, I pray your anointing upon your word. I pray, Lord, that you would manage my emotions this morning. I pray, Lord, that, that... I would not touch the glory that is to be yours, and that this morning we would hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I said, this is going to be somewhat of a collaboration. My speaking time is not going to be extensive. No applause, please. Um, this is my first time speaking since taking a little bit of a break. Um, I realized while I was on that time that it was far more needed than I had uh, understood it to be. And um, we've gone through an unusual time these last two years, and I find that oftentimes I had to be more of an emergency manager uh, than even some of the pastoral responsibilities and, and all those part of things. We are in a time of unusual change as a nation, as well as conflict. One of those changes is even somewhat evident here today. We've had uh, a number of people that, as I'm at grad parties, are saying, we're not sure why, but for the first time, graduations are now being held on a Sunday. There are certain sporting events that are local that are being held now on Sundays. Uh, In other words, Sunday has ceased to become um, a set-aside day, a holy day, within our country any longer. Culturally, that is changing dramatically. And so, as we've come out of this season, and as... We are dealing with all the things that we've dealt with from the, the, the identity politics to the conflict of politics to the pandemic to all the other things that are in place. One of the concerns I have that I feel drawn to is that, that one of the key aspects of being the church has possibly been lost or diminished in this season of time. And this has to do with the presence of God. I grew up in a Pentecostal environment that admittedly had extremely uh, bizarre moments happen that were not of God and that were more of individuals. 
But one thing that was central to that um, tradition was seeking God at the altar, of finding a place of prayer, of, of not seeing Sunday morning as just a time where we hear a talk or some clever statements or teachings and then walk away and, and meditate upon them intellectually, but that we would come and have an encounter with God that would change our very lives. Sometimes we resist those for various reasons. For the last number of decades, I've been part of, and we as a church have been part of a gathering named Messenger that is an international gathering of churches, actually. It's not high on the radar, but it's high in relationship. Gatherings in the latter years have been in Nashville. And um, I've I've not been required to go down there, though there's some expectation because of, of roles and relationships and, and for many years, I eagerly sought that because I would find every time I was there that something would happen that would work within my soul. There's something great about one who teaches or leads to be able to sit and be taught and led for a season of time. But in the latter number of years, because of all the different things that have taken place and all the expectations and et cetera, et cetera, I have find myself grumbling before going down. I have been doing this for several years and there are staff members here who will tell you that I sit here and go, I just don't want to go down this year. I don't have the time. I don't have the place. Why? Because I'm so important to what's going on here. That's not what I say, but, but there's things that have to be done and I don't have the time to step aside and just rest in that moment of place. And I, this has been grumbling for years and then every single time I've come back and, and I've come back with a dogged kind of down expression because I know they're going to ask me, so how was it? I'm, yeah, God spoke to me in the moment down there. And they laugh at me and they ridicule me because I fought so hard to not go down. And this is the pattern for the last number of years. You think I would learn? But no, I am a man. So I was grumbling again about going down this last March, especially this time, because there's been so many things that just required and the, the time was precious. The last time I ever gathered was Monday through Wednesday. I and mean, on Wednesday evening, um, it was entitled The Music of Messenger. It was all the different churches, uh, the music pastors had gathered together. Jake, our guy, and other ones had gathered together and had written new songs. And some of you have heard. Jake has shared those and others. And so that night, they presented those new songs. And Jake shared a song he had that I was familiar with already. And there were others that were shared. And then Ryan. Ryan was actually the organizer of that conference, actually. He had the responsibility administratively to handle it. But he's also an incredibly gifted musician. He's also one of the most joy-filled people I know, which is very annoying at times, depending on what <laughs> mood you're in. You know, if you're kind of in an off mood, it's like, don't be that joyous. There's something sick about that. <laughs> and um, he shared something, and I'll have him share that in a bit too. And he shared a song that was entitled Thin Places. And it was based on some ideas from Celtic Christianity that are not foreign to me at all. In fact, it's something I've embraced years ago. We've actually taught about it in this place, but it's been many years, and so you probably wouldn't recall. Now, the idea of, of, of Celtic Christianity uh, is something that you sit here and think that that means a worship of the Boston Celtics, and that's got nothing to do with this, okay? First of all, that all is pronounced Celtic, not Celtic. But it's drawn from um, a, a level of spirituality that developed in Ireland and in Scotland, Christianity in the 5th century. Heaven and earth, the Celtic saying goes, are only three feet apart. 
But in thin places, the distance is even shorter, it says. What is a thin place? Sometimes a thin place can be a place of geography. Oftentimes it's where two things meet, uh, the, 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 the seashore and the, the land and the sea or the mountain and the sky. But it's a Christian Celtic term for those, quote, rare locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses, where the veil is thin. There's something that I think that oftentimes we have lost within this country as we've moved to be more slick in our presentations and, and we get drawn more to the shiny, bright things. That the idea that there's a thin veil at moments of times that God is, is, is working to try to draw us into himself that is lost on Sunday, that the presence of God gets lost on Sunday, that there can be great music, there can be good teaching, but where God's presence isn't there, then there's an emptiness to the gathering. The same can be with our careers or our talents or, or different aspects of our lives that we can have great things happening, but if God's presence is there, then there's something empty that's lacking in the moment. What is a thin place? In simple terms, a thin place is the place where the veil between um, this world and the other world is thin. The other world is near, where heaven and earth, in fact, collide. And, and sometimes that's presented in moments of, 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 of a warm cuddling up to God and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a healing for certain hurts, and that is absolutely true. But as one writer put it this way, truth also abides in thin places. Truth abides in thin places, naked, raw, hard to face truth as we come face to face with God. Yet the comfort and safety and strength to face that truth also abides there. Thin places captivate our imagination, yet diminish our existence. We become very small, yet we gain connection and become part of something larger than we can perceive. Now, the metaphor of thin places doesn't appear in Scripture, but I do believe that there are thin places that we find within Scripture. I think Eden was the very first thin place. God and man walked together. There was no veil between them. There was no separation. They were in total fellowship. And then man sins because questions arise that begin to, that, that, to, to establish their own uh, what they want to do. And man is cast out of, of Eden. But, but we're missing one of the points here is that, that, that Eden wasn't a singular thin place upon the planet. That was a template. In other words, barring that sin, our entire planet would have been that. Our entire world would have been a thin place. There would have been no separation between heaven and earth. There would have been that constant connection that got shattered by our sin. And so now, instead of our entire reality being this way, now there are just places or moments of time where that connection, those things break in. That, that to me is a very powerful statement by itself. There are other places that we could go to in Scripture, and I'm only going to take you really to one today, but there's others from the temple and the Holy of Holies to the tabernacle to so many other places. But, but this passage we read here, and, and let, me, let me say something about this because sometime I'm going to teach on this again and you're going to have a completely different understanding because I'm going to get a deeper understanding too and I'm going to explain why. 
You see, just when COVID hit, COVID hit in March, I was due to take, after decades of ministry, I was due to take a four-month sabbatical. A four-month sabbatical. Four months. Praise God. And then COVID came as a nice little gift. And so I went from exhaustion to exhilaration because when you're being shot at and the bullet misses you, then adrenaline pumps and you, you, you come alive. Now that's not going to happen because of how life is going on, but I'm hoping still, and the elders have talked to me about still being able to carve out maybe a one-month period. And if I'm able to do that, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the, the, the city of Thebes, Luxor, in, in Egypt. I want to go to where the Egyptians the, the, were, were dealing with the Israelites, where they first started off in slavery and broke out of slavery. I want to go to that place in Exodus. I want to follow that across the desert to Mount Sinai and just hang on the desert there for a while. I want to go with that into Jordan where they would have gone into a bit and, and in the land of Jordan and, and just walk those areas and, and, and Wadi Rum and Petra and things of this nature. I want to cross the Jordan and, and in my mind and my spirit walk with the Israelites as they cross that moment. I doubt that when I touch it, the water is going to part, but who knows? Okay. I understand it's gone down to a little thin dribble at some places, so I maybe can just step across. I want to walk into Israel, and I want to walk into the places of Israel where they would have come, and I want to experience that moment so I can have a richer, deeper understanding of that. Okay, so that's going to happen some point in time, and I'll fill you in. But in the meantime, I'm in Sterling Heights. But this moment here that's occurring is a thin place. Moses is doing whatever he's doing and he notices there's a bush that's not burning up. And that's interesting. He would watch it for a while, but it's not consuming. So he's drawn to what is that about? He turns off his path. And again, I raise up to you, what if it would have happened if he hadn't recognized something was happening and he hadn't turned aside? But he does. And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, and only then, he called him and said, Moses, Moses, he calls him by name. Moses says, here I am. He says, don't come any closer, God. says, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. You've been walking in all sorts of junk all day long that's not holy or righteous. You need to separate that for a moment off and approach me with just who you are. And then he gets even more personal beyond the naming of him. He says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. People have no idea who God is today. And everyone's impugning and imputing to him all sorts of various things that he never said or was part of. We worship not just the general God, certainly not the secular God of our culture. We worship the God of Abraham that had an encounter personally with him, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is who we worship, the God of Moses. He is real. He is in history. He is someone who has a character and a personality that you can engage with. So he steps aside, and in that moment there, heaven breaks into. Now, here's an interesting thing. If you just go and Google later, um, um, burning bush, this is what you get. Now, if you put the burning bush, you get this. You'll get different imageries of that. So there was something unique about it. It, was the, it wasn't just a burning bush. I have, I've got burning bush those, those bushes, I've got them in my backyard. I've tried burning one of them. They just burn down to the ground and the fire covered it. It's just a mess. This is different though. God breaks in. There's a moment of time. The place is thin. And Moses sees it. He comes over. He's engaging. And it changes his entire life. The Mount Horeb that this happens on is also thought to be Mount Sinai, where later the law is given and the Ten Commandments and, and all these things are taking place. Now, there's more places like this. 
But, but real quickly, later on in Exodus, I'm not going to read it to you, but as, as God is talking to Moses, he's saying, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out. I'm concerned about their suffering. I'm sending you to bring them out. These are all the things he says in the next few verses. I've seen the misery. I've heard them crying out. I'm concerned about their suffering, and I'm sending you to bring them out. I want you to know today, to follow even what what had been said earlier by Ryan, God sees the misery of his people. He hears you when you're crying out. He's concerned about your suffering, and he's sending those to bring you out of that. And that care is either on the way or possibly even already there. It may be in a ministering angel. It may be in a moment of time even such as today. But he hears the cries and the suffering of his people and he's concerned about it. And he takes action. And then of course he continues on when Moses says, who should I say? He says, say I am sent you. And he repeats that he is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And so this moment happens and, and then later they're back at Sinai and the law is given and then the tabernacle the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant and then the temple and all these little moments and places where there's thin places and places where there's engagement. And then Jesus comes. God in the flesh. And for the first time since Eden, man can walk with God. God comes in the flesh as Jesus. Jesus offers his life as a sacrifice to cover all our sin. He's crucified, but he doesn't stay dead. He resurrects, talks to people, and then he leaves something behind as he moves on, and the church is gathered, and Pentecost happens, and the Holy Spirit is poured out, and suddenly the church becomes the church, not just a bunch of disparate people. In this room today, we have people from every ethnicity, from various different nationalities are represented here today, not just American. Some of us are good-looking, some of us are ugly. You determine which. Some of us are bright. Some of us are stupid. Some of us are cultured. Some of us are illiterate. But we're all part of the body of Christ. And so now it's not just God walking. You have to be with Jesus in that time. Now any of us are able to walk with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. The thin place is no longer a Mount Sinai or, or a burning bush, but that, that burning place and that, 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 that place where the veil is thin can be here this morning. It can be when you're at your home at your dinner table. It can be wherever you're now meeting with God and you seek him and you pursue him and you let him speak through and into you. It now is no longer just a burning bush or a specific set-aside holy moment. It's, it's not just Jesus in the flesh. It's, it's, it's the church, but not even just the church. It's now me. And if it's now me, then, and, and, and now this is something that's part of what I am, then what does that have an impact and implication for, for the relationships that I'm involved in or for how I live my life? Now, here's something that I want to quickly say before we, we start to go to a, to, to a different point here. Jesus has been severely misunderstood and misrepresented in our culture. Jesus is like this Mr. Rogers character who is not scary at all, and he affirms everybody. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, he affirms and just loves you and thinks you're great. That is not the Jesus of Scripture. That is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you read the Scripture, he challenges us. He loves us, but he challenges us. 
And the same Jesus that walks around in sandals and gives out little parables is, is this. He shows up in Revelations like this. Revelation chapter 19. Then I saw the heaven open and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. And his eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. This is talking about Jesus. He's faithful and true, and he judges fairly, and he's waging a righteous war. He's, he's in a conflict to, to redeem and restore people and also attack that which is evil, and, it, and it's a righteous war. But his eyes are like flames of fire. It's not just that. In Revelations chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, another imagery of Jesus. Then I looked, and I behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, um, having his father's name written on their foreheads. We'll talk about that some other time. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, like the voice of loud thunder, a voice like, like the roar of the ocean. And so you've got this Jesus who's, who's like this warrior with these flaming eyes and, and with a voice that is thunderous and loud and, and almost overwhelming. This is the same Jesus that people want to make out as Mr. Rogers. I don't think so. We come to church and we think we're safe. We say his name like, like it's something from a Christmas gathering of some type. And we don't realize that we're dealing with the God of the universe. The, the, the creator of our lives, the savior of our souls, the, 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 the great I am, the Alpha and Omega, the, this is who we encounter and, and we don't understand or recognize it. And so the moment is missed. A bush lights up in the middle of the gathering and we can't turn aside even to look at it. And we go on our path and we go on our way. And we are untouched. I forgot to say something, and I meant to say this at the beginning, and I did the same thing for service. So I'm gonna, there is a number of you who will not like this message today. There's a significant portion of you that are going to say, this was the stupidest, dumbest moment I ever spent in church. The most wasted moment I have. You will not get this. Now, there can be two reasons for that. and One can be because of me and how I'm presenting, and I'll own that before God at some point in time. But there's another reason, and that's because you will not turn aside for anything. You either don't see that the bush is not burning or you don't care or you're afraid of it or whatever multiple reasons there are. And so we can have significant moments here or you can have significant moments that are happening in your life and you don't even discern that they're happening. We'll have a moment. The service ends and God's presence is there and a handful will, will be so caught with that moment that they turn aside and they stay and they pray or maybe they come to the altar and they take a moment of time while the rest of us talk loudly around them and carry those things on out. Now, there's reasons why have, we have to leave sometimes right after a service. We have children we've got to pick up or you left your car running the entire service and just realized it suddenly because it was electric and you didn't press the right button and all. So I'm not condemning and don't feel in any way compelled or manipulated by what I'm saying. But what I do think is that we're so caught with the shiny things, that we're so caught with something clever being said or done, something that we can take and integrate into our lives, 
that the real pursuit, the real search, the real desire, the real passion for the presence of God is dissipated. So, I'm grumbling. I'm complaining. I don't have time to turn aside and go to Nashville. Then I get down there. And I'm sitting, and I've been in meetings for three days, and this last is the last one, and I'm a little tired, and I'm in the back of the church. That's where all the really good Christians go. (laughs) (laughs) Waiting for the amen on that one. (laughs) And, um, And the music starts out. Ryan's one of the most gifted people I, I know in music. And what I love about him is he has this huge talent and he has, doesn't even think twice about submitting that before God and using it for his purposes. So he mentions thin places and I know thin places. I understand the concept. I've taught the concept. I've experienced it. But as he begins to sing in just that moment of time, Maybe because we share the same passion for the seaside, maybe even. You know, my quiet place has always been Carmel. God arrested me in that moment. I don't know if that'll be that case for you today, but I wanted to give that opportunity. And so I wanted to give context behind the song. And as, as Ryan's coming, he's going to share. I want you to, to take a moment and allow the possibility that in this place, in this time that God is concerned about your suffering that he's heard your cry that he wants to meet with you even if it's just for a moment and, and see if it's not possible I can't, I can't ordain God to do what he does but I do know that he honors those who pursue him that maybe in this moment that you can hear his voice and turn aside for just a few moments of time and then we'll have a time of joining together with that. But one man's journey. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Well, I, I want to tell you a little bit about this song. Sorry, my ears are doing weird things right now. So that's why I'm looking in my pocket. Technology, you check your pocket for your ears. Um, the, I know we all experience, this is one of these weird times in history where we can mention 2020 and pretty much everyone has an understanding, a pretty equal understanding of something that happened that just changed everything. And, um, during that season I was on a walk and my wife and I live in middle Tennessee, but we're originally from Southern California. So I don't know if you're aware, but Nashville does not have an ocean. So if it did, you know, it couldn't be beat. But um, one morning I was out on a walk and this cool breeze kind of hit my face. And instantly I was down by the ocean. I grew up in Southern California and every summer we'd go down there and there's just this like seaside breeze. And immediately out of my heart, I was just like, I need to see the sea. Like I just need to be by the ocean and I just started singing the first part of this song just on a walk with the Lord like where the water meets the shore and the sun shines on the sea it's the place where heaven touches earth and that's where I want to be 
And I just kind of started singing this little refrain while I was on the walk. And um, the second part kind of came out while we were walking too. And it was just kind of that same idea, that same thing that I feel when I'm at the ocean is actually what I feel in the presence of God. It's actually what I feel in the person of Jesus. And so he's that thin place to me. Um, And then I realized after that, like, actually, because of these things, I can access this place in my home. And that was something that was really huge to my wife and I in 2020 was the kind of reestablishment of the place of worship in our homes. Um, I think everyone kind of did different things during that time and walked away with different things, but we really felt like eating together as a family was worship and worshiping in our house and practicing Christianity in our homes, you know, like was something that was a gift in that season. And so um, that's where this song was birthed out of. And I hope that, I hope it, it means something to you too. Where the water meets the shore And the sun shines on the sea It's the place where heaven touches earth And that's where I long to be And there's a man with eyes of fire And his voice sounds like the sea He's the place where heaven touches earth And he's where I long to be And all here with you And you with me I find my place When we My start and my end is you. This is where I long to be. At home the altar is the table. At home the sacrifice is me. It's the place where heaven touches earth. That's where I long to be And oh, here with you And you with me I find my place When we meet My start and my end This is where I long to be. Here on earth, but close to heaven, in this tension I believe. Every moment draws me closer to the things I cannot see. In this world with all its measures, every end defines the means. I turn my heart to what is better, my end, eternity.
summertime to to restructure and reset to move into the fall I really feel like God ordained this moment look for the thin places in a world that is getting so dark and so heavy I think God increasingly is wanting to invade that with his light and his grace and he wants to do that through the church and he wants to do that through individuals and he hears the cries and suffering of his people he wants to meet that but he wants to go beyond that to actually impact this world this morning, if you want to stay behind and linger, hopefully those around you have heard enough at least just quietly exit. Because there's two things that are good after a service like this. One is people just going out in the, in the atrium and sharing and fellowshipping. That's good. That's righteous. There's nothing wrong with that. A third thing, picking up your kid afterwards. That's a righteous thing too. Okay? But there's another thing, and that can just be to linger, to turn aside whether it's now or or what else you discern during the week. And so there'll be those up front here to pray with you if you want someone to pray with you. You can go over to one of the places off the corner and just pray. You can kneel in a seat here. Take that time if you want to. But look for those thin places as you go forward. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you do hear the cries of your people. I, I thank you that you want to meet with us. You desire us to seek you out and that you reveal yourself to us pray, Father, that as we walk forward, that you would deepen us. Let there be many moments of just sensing your presence in this place and in our homes and in our workplaces. We commit to this as your church as we begin this new season. In Jesus' name, amen.